Hey everybody, we're back with the Menschwarmers, uh, your bi-weekly look at the world of Jews and sports. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. You know, it's been a big week uh, uh, for Jews, for the pro and anti-Jewish sides of sports. Excited to get into it and, and chat about it. Um, yeah. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, good. I, 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 I unfortunately missed our, our interview that's coming up later on the podcast with Fred Katz. Uh, that's coming up in a few minutes. Uh, unfortunately, I had a family emergency. Daughter had to go to the hospital, broken leg, but she's back. Everything's good. And uh, she's she's a real trooper, so she's fine. So um, everything's good on my end. But some things to catch up on in the world of uh, Jews and sports. As I said, we have uh, an interview coming up with Fred Katz of The Athletic. He's a Washington Wizards beat writer. And we talked to him a lot about uh, his job as a, as, as a, as a writer and, and the Washington Wizards newest player, uh, Denny of Dia, uh, from Israel. So I want to pause you there for a second. Yeah. I know that that night you did have that family issue and unfortunately you couldn't be as part of the interview, but during the interview, Fred did correct a Seinfeld reference I made. Oh, so wow. that was also a tragedy that happened to me. Wow. What was the reference you made? It was about Joe DiMaggio. Uh, you know, in, in, in the interview, Fred, uh, refers to, uh, Joe, a conversation he had with Carmelo Anthony about Joe DiMaggio. I'm not going to ruin it, uh, for our listeners. But then I said, well, maybe he just got messed up because of Seinfeld. And then I got the, well, actually, uh, about Joe DiMaggio's appearance on Seinfeld. Well, he wasn't in Seinfeld, but he was referred to in Seinfeld. And, and now it's happened twice. Oh, uh, okay. Well, that's too bad. Gabe, you know. Uh, as a veteran of our uh, Seinfeld trivia team, the Spongeworthy, uh, I would expect your your uh, your Seinfeld trivia knowledge to be a little better. I misspoke. So you know, the Menschwarmers is a free flowing conversation. I hear you. It gets it gets these parts, and, and Fred and I had a good kibitz going, so right. that's how it is. Well, I think you know the focus of our episode, or, or one of the reasons we want to want to interview Fred, was to talk about Denny of Dia. Uh, who, you know, he was drafted by the Washington Wizards in the ninth overall, ninth in, the overall. First, in the first round uh, in the 2020 draft. You know, he'd been playing at uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv for a bit. He's, uh, you know, his dad's a, a Serbian-Israeli basketball player. His mom's Israeli. And he's uh, only 21. Kibbutznik. So he's, he's rookie age. Yeah, I think he just turned. No, I think he's just 20. Just 20. Wow. I think he just turned 20 because he, he, he was only eligible last year, I think, to come out or maybe the year before. But either way, I mean, you know, he, he's had a decent start at Washington. Um, I think I think he's someone that can really captivate the Jewish audience because he's the first Israeli in the NBA since uh, Omri Kaspi, who had, you know, a, a decent career. Like he had a pretty long career in the end, Omri Kaspi. I don't think he's still playing. Um, he has a couple of rings. And and we sort of yeah. we get to that in in the conversation talking. You know, there's only ever really been a handful of guys that made the leap from Israel Um the Israeli league to the NBA, even, even fewer, uh, actually Israeli players. Right. Um, there's been a couple of Americans who have played there and come played back. Anthony Parker's one that comes to mind. Uh, sure. and, and, you know, Denny has a couple of guys from Omri Caspi before him. Uh, Caspi, uh, our producer is actually sending me a note. Omri Caspi still playing pro ball back in Maccabi Tel Aviv. Oh, good for him. Uh, we probably should have kept more up with Omri than we have. But, you know, I think that a lot of uh, something we've talked a lot on the podcast about is the sort of uh, affinity from Jewish sports fans or Jewish athletes that uh, one of the things that got us interested in doing this is, is the idea of when you're a Jewish sports fan, you always think, who is Jewish? You know, is this guy with the last name Jewish? 
you know, oh, his last name's oh Freddie Freeman. That sounds like it could be Jewish. Let's look it up. <laughs> oh no, you know, he, he turns out he he went to Catholic school or something like that. I don't know yeah, if Freddie Freeman did. I'm just saying. Yeah, but I, uh, you know, I think it it's been a while since there's been a Jewish basketball player in the NBA who's really captured that. Omri Kaspi, as we said, uh, Jordan Farmer uh, is, is Jewish and 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 you know, again, had a, has a ring. Uh, so, with someone who was who was uh, a fan favorite for a while among the Jewish crowd, it, and it's important to know. And and Fred discusses this at length at the interview. It's you know how Denny actually is a chance to be one of those athletes who isn't just the Jewish guy. Um, so what, a lot of the a lot of the athletes we've talked about this before. He's seen as an actual future cornerstone of the team, and not just sort of a novelty act. Right, and that and that was that's what I was going to say. I mean, Omar Caspi was you know late draft pick, decent career. Jordan Farmer role player okay but we haven't had in our lifetimes and it's probably almost in our parents lifetimes a jewish basketball player who's been you know an all-star someone who could be an mvp uh aside amare. from amare yes amare but amare didn't become jewish until uh after he retired so he wasn't it- really celebrated as a jewish athlete maybe a little bit when he went to the knicks but he, he, he didn't spend most of his career in the focus of the the jewish fan base as the guy to watch yet know? now now i think as a coach he's taking shabbos off he's not yeah, coaching so. friday night or saturday afternoon games right um, he is yeah he's you know full orthodox now and hopefully finding somewhere in brooklyn to uh or sorry somewhere in yeah somewhere in brooklyn, brooklyn. to uh to, to to attend services you know it must be hard finding places there <laughs> yeah exactly i wonder if he's the the tallest and uh you know most nubian of complexion and your average Satmar synagogue. He's he's really like the only guy who can walk from from uh, Williamsburg to Bed Stuy and not skip a beat. I guess. <laughs> unlike Yikes. unlike the other Satmars who are around him. Anyways, um, but yeah. So I think Omri, sorry, uh, Denny has a real chance to be the uh, the Jewish superstar, you know, in the NBA. And we'll see what happens. Don't want to put the cart in front of the ho- in front of the horse here. But uh, he's a guy that we that we can watch for years and who can really captivate the Jewish uh, fan base. You know, that even if you're a fan of your local team, you're also keeping an eye, an eye out for Denny. And it's yes. interesting to see what the Washington Wizards have done in that regard. And I know you talked to Fred a little bit about that, about the sort of the reason why the Wizards picked him and the marketing opportunities there. It's, a, it's an interesting conversation. Um, and a really interesting challenge, I think, comes with any... There are a lot of players, and especially Jewish players. This is certainly something we've talked about in the past, you know, with Nate Thompson... Uh, uh, but with right. the Montreal Canadian. Um, and again, with Fred here is that, you know, when you draft a Jewish player, when you are a Jewish player, you get a lot of new fans really, really quickly. Something Ike Davis has said, you know, he, he always known as Jewish, but as soon as he got traded to the Mets, Jewish people really, really got, right. became a big fan of his. And, and he got a lot more into his religion um, after he realized how much it meant to people. And of um, course, you know, the Washington DMV area has plenty of, uh, plenty of, plenty of Jewish, uh, basketball fans in it and and this gives them a real guy to cheer for i mean you know it's similar to being sometimes being canadian when there's a canadian pro in a sport that canadians don't play a ton of we all know about you know steve nash everyone everyone i knew growing up was a steve nash fan if you're a canadian even though came from a different part of canada than we were from it it was nice to have a canadian mvp or you know you and i have have previously on this podcast celebrated uh laurent duvernay tardif uh the the canadian mcgill alum who was a, a chief's lineman uh, because you know we share some some demographics with him, so this is just another angle for that. And you know it's exciting to see a Jew uh, a Jew play basketball and Israeli play basketball um, at this high level, and and you know really wish him the best. And I'm sure his career is something we'll be following for a long time. 
Agreed. So before we get to the interview with uh, Fred, sure. let's talk a little bit about the week. Something I want to talk about earlier, uh, a little bit. Former UFC fighter and uh, I guess sci-fi pinup girl, Gina Carano has now been canceled for yeah. doing an anti-Semitism. Yeah. Do you uh, do you watch The Mandalorian? I have not. It's I feel really like I'm, I've heard it's very good, but you know, now, now my boycott is principled yeah. for having uh, missed her earlier. And I, I see that's I, always, I, it's always nice when you get the opportunity to uh, continue to not watch something that you already weren't watching, but now it's for a good reason. Well, she's going to be off the Mandalorian and there's a spin up. So there's a spin off show that uh, she was going to be part of. And Disney, I think announced that they were doing something like 12 star Wars spin off, spin off shows. And you know, they're all like real star making uh, opportunities and she, she got fired from that. Disney said they don't want anything to do with her. I, I she show, made an Instagram post that basically said that conservatives these days are treated like Jews or Nazi Germany. I'm just going just gonna to quote from the post here. <laughs> Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children, she, she wrote. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views. And again, she's an outspoken conservative and I think sort of QAnon adjacent person. This has come up in the past and obviously she had already been sort of on the radar as being like a, a COVID truther QAnon person. But then this sort of thing saying like, oh, well, being a conservative these days, just like being a Jew during during Nazi Germany. I mean, I'm glad that was the bridge too far, I guess. I'm glad something was. Well, now she's going back with, she's, she's, I guess, returned to the Joe Rogan cinematic universe and uh, from the, from the Star Wars one to make some project with Ben Shapiro. Oh, right. Uh, who, uh, let me tell you, that guy sucks. Yeah, that guy sucks hard. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I saw people on the, uh, the CJN lounge, the, the new Facebook page for the CJN commenting on this and people were really mad about cancel culture even when it when it came to Gina Carano. So uh, keep on keep on posting your opinions I, there, I guess, boomers. I'm know. just curious, you know, it's it's I find most of the people who get canceled, you know, do have a past of getting elbowed in the side of the head for a living. Oh, that's a good point. Should we should we not be making fun of her so much? Because we're gonna find out in a few years that this is all due to CTE from, you know, putting her body through terrible, terrible things and she just has a series of concussions that have caused her to be an anti-Semite. I mean, that's certainly I, I, you know what? I wouldn't call it a a excuse, more right. of an explanation. Right. I mean, it, it's like, you know, it's not an excuse for uh, murdering your wife just because you used to be a star running back, but it's an explanation when you're, you know, I, I don't want to name names here because you got acquitted, but let's just say <laughs> if a certain former Buffalo Bills running back <laughs> killed his wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, if. it might have been, been because he, he had CTE as well or has CTE as well. So, but you know, you know, as, as the great Adam Sandler said, OJ Simpson, not a Jew. <laughs> uh, just, just, yeah. Before we get to the interview, just checking in on a few Jewish sports stories to, to, that we've been following. Um, Australian Open's going on. Unfortunately, we were, we were so primed for a, a, a matchup between our two Jewish tennis, tennis boys, uh, Diego Schwartzman and Denis Shapovalov. They were going to meet in the fourth round, and they both lost in the third. So they're, they're two blonde tennis playing Jews. Yeah, it's really, that's right. Hitler's nightmare right there. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, they both lost in the third round of the Australian Open. Too bad. They'll have more chances this year. Chapo didn't look great. I, I didn't get a chance to watch Diego play, but uh, 
you know, hopefully we'll have more chances to talk about them. I, I, I really do think Shapo he was laboring a bit. Year. Yeah, yeah, he was laboring a bit. Lost to another Canadian, Felix. Not Jewish, as far as we can tell. Um, but uh, I, we, we are following Shapo um, uh, sort of aggressively. Also, uh, uh, as we record this, we'll find out what happens on uh, on tomorrow, I guess, before this episode airs. But uh, Daniel Berger, a former sort of friend of the pod, uh, is is uh, either tied for the lead or or just behind the leader at the Pebble Beach Open. Is he? I haven't been following at all. Um, so that's like the first big tournament of the year, the AT&T Pro-Am at Pebble Beach. Um, Usually the Jews are on the Am side. <laughs> um, but he's one that he's one on the pro side. Yeah, I usually get like a, a good smattering of like uh, Jewish Hollywood celebrities playing in the amateur side. But good to see him on the pro side. Who's who's he playing with? Do you know? Uh, today he was playing with Spieth. I think tomorrow it looks like he'll probably be with uh, Patrick Cantley or uh, Nate Lashley. Okay, um, Daniel Berger, someone we talked about in the last in the last episode, and someone who I think is has taken on more of our focus in the interim of our podcast because he is just rocketing to the top of the standings and he is someone who is going to have a huge huge year in golf uh, likely a I, huge career he's still quite young with a number still quite of young, wins but i'm saying this is this is really the year to start watching uh if you're if you're interested in following a jewish golfer as he hits his stride it's daniel berger he's he, i think he's he's absolutely going to win some tournaments this year i think he's going to be in contention on sundays in 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 majors you know He's a guy who really is, is going to hit his mark. The but he's got are a, only two, two and a half months away now, so he's got a real chance there. He's got to play on Shabbos. He's got to play on Shabbos. That's part of the deal. It's been a long time since there's been a pro athlete who hasn't played on Shabbos, to be honest. So, <laughs> aside from Amari's coaching, uh, that's about it. Exactly. Um, he's a little bit different than, uh, than uh, Amari in that sense. Yeah. So, uh, Gabe, let's, let's move to your interview with Fred Katz of The Athletic. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Please enjoy this chat. Uh, we get to talking about Dana, Denny. We get to talking about the uh, DC bagel scene. We talk a little bit about Fred's career history, Oklahoma Judaism, uh, and uh, it's a fun chat. So please enjoy. So, uh, Fred, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're uh, uh, working for the Athletic, covering the Wizards. Uh, you from DC? Did you grow up in DC? Uh, from New York City. Uh- Moved to D.C. to cover the Wizards in 2018. This is my third season on the Wizards beat. was doing the Thunder and the Celtics briefly before that. And uh, eventually went over to D.C. to cover the team over here. And so you've been with The Athletic this whole time. How long have you been there? So I went to The Athletic for, for the Wizards beat as well. For the Wizards. I was, at, I was at Mass Live doing the Celtics for a short amount of time. And before that, uh, I was covering the Thunder for the Norman Transcript. Wow. Norman, Oklahoma. Norman, Oklahoma. Home of University uh, were of Oklahoma. You the Jewish guy there? I was the Jewish guy there. I was absolutely the Jewish guy there in the, not just in the state, just in the Midwest, San Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I'd love to go to Branton, Missouri, Oklahoma one day, you know, see that real extra Christian lifestyle. I loved, I, I loved my time in OKC. It was great. Really? Yeah, I loved it there. I had a great job. I was working with great people. I got to just go to Thunder Games all the time and just live and breathe, you know, what it was like to be on an NBA beat, which was an incredible first NBA beat experience. And, you know, I covered Russell Westbrook's MVP year, which was crazy. And I feel like I've just kind of got stories, uh, quite honestly, enough stories to fill a book for my time covering the Thunder, which was only a couple of years, but it 
so much happened with that organization when I was there from Durant leaving to Westbrook taking the organization on his back and then winning an MVP and then the mellow trade and then the Paul George trade and all just so much unbelievable turnover and so many personalities there. And there was always so much drama that I just, I feel like there's enough to fill an entire career. So it was a great first beat experience and I have a lot of friends from there. So I would do it again a million times out of a million. And you got a book idea. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> a book a book that is currently not leaving any place but my mind, but yes. You know what? That's the first challenge. <laughs> um, so it, it's great to have you here on the Mench Warmers, where I just tell you a little bit about what we do. We sort of find the Jewish stories in sports, update people on uh, our listeners on what's new in the Jewish world, what's anti-Semitic and what isn't when it comes to sports is a big uh, issue, who's Jewish and who's not. But you cover the Washington Wizards. Uh, notably recently added to their team drafted this year is probably the greatest Jewish basketball player, you know, in, in the league now. Um, I don't want to say ever and Amare is still coaching, but, uh, he is certainly the, the first Israeli player in a long time, uh, you know, other than Omri Caspi to actually have a shot at making a difference. Um, and so, you know, one thing I think we're all wondering, do the wizards have a lot of new fans? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, based on my Twitter following. I would say yeah, and it's funny because the Wizards, it's not just it's not just Denny, but they have more international players than any other team in the league. They've got seven or eight guys who weren't born in the U.S., so they've got the Latvian fans because they've got Bertans, and the Japanese mm-hmm. fans because they have Rui Hachimura, and the German fans because they have Mo Wagner and Isak Bonga, and the list the list goes on. They've got Howell Neto, and they've got a number of other international players too. So. They, they've got this very diverse group of players on their roster with all these all this diverse background, um, you know, Alex Len, who's from the Ukraine. And so it's just all these players from all over the world. Uh, and, and I feel like they bring in a little bit of a following from each. But I will say it seems just based on my anecdotal experience that the most passionate followings for particular players are, are the Denny fans and the Rui fans. Well, I think, you know, I speak for a lot of Jews, something that that when we spoke to there's a guy on the PGA tour named Max Homa. And as soon as we told him, hey, we're a podcast about Jewish athletes, his first reaction was, you know, there aren't very many of us. (laughs) So I think, you know, anytime somebody sees a Jewish athlete or an Israeli athlete, especially in, in, you know, sort of Western sports, a lot of people tend to put a lot of hopes and dreams on them really, really quickly. Um, And that. I think that's certainly happening with Denny. And I think the Wizards have leaned into that. Um, maybe I noticed that uh, the Wizards have certainly, I mean, they have a, a Twitter account in Hebrew now um, and they're tweeting a lot of his highlights in Hebrew. I saw they tweeted a bunch of Denny, you know, Denny had a big game yesterday against the Raptors. Um, one of the bigger ones of his year so far, it seems. Um, so I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about sort of what the Wizards are doing to embrace this. Yeah. I mean, they certainly embrace this kind of stuff. I mean, they're, they, they have the Twitter account. I believe they have a website in Hebrew as well. They have an Instagram handle. And they did the exact same thing when they drafted Rui Hachimura too with the Japanese fans. They they brought in an entire Japanese social media team for Hachimura that basically just runs parallel to, to the social media team they already had employed. And they did a similar thing with a Twitter handle and an Instagram handle and all of that. So I think the Wizards organizationally dive into this a lot and it's not just with Denny it's with 
any of their international guys who could potentially have a large following in the countries that they're from. Uh, Denny is definitely no exception because they've done it. And I've, I have seen, I have seen the fans. They tweet at me. They're very passionate. So in, in your mind, what comes first? Is it the business decision that leads to the international team or is the international team that leads to the global marketing strategy? It's a good chicken or egg question. I like to think it's the international team that leads to the global strategy. I also don't think that when the GM of the Wizards, Tommy Shepard, goes to ownership and says, we'd like to take Rui Hachimura and we'd like to take Denny Avdia, that it's not like ownership is being like, oh, dear, don't do that. So I I, I, I think it's really been an embrace from both sides. Uh, I think ownership is, I mean, it's clear Ownership has seen dollar signs with the draft picks that it's taking, because if it weren't clear, then or I should say, if they weren't doing that, they they wouldn't be creating the new websites. They wouldn't be creating the social media accounts and all those sorts of things. So I think it's clear that ownership is seeing a financial opportunity there. But I also think it starts with the basketball. I mean, they drafted Hachimura because they believed in him. They believed in his basketball and they drafted Denny because he was really high on their draft board. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. exactly what number they had him, but he was he was pretty significantly higher than ninth, which is where they took him. I I I am I would feel pretty confident saying he was in their top five or six. So, you know, when a guy who's in their top five or six ends up falling, I know they didn't expect him to come to nine. They did not. They didn't even really think that much about drafting him. Because they were pretty confident he was going to be gone by the time they got to the ninth pick. So so I know for, for them, it started with him as a basketball perspective. They have a lot of faith in him as a player. And and then the the economics of it builds out from there. Of course. And, and you mentioned earlier, you've got a lot of fans, you know, coming after you. Do any of them, I mean, other than us, of course, realize or reach out to you talking about you being Jewish? And maybe if you as a, a reporter have a sort of a, a kinship with them? Yes. And it's funny because I I have never discussed it with Denny. I don't think I've ever asked him anything about being <laughs> Jewish because if somebody asked me like I I don't think he's particularly religious either. Um, and I I'm not I'm not a particularly religious person either. I was I was raised Jewish and I am Jewish mm-hmm. and my parents are Jewish, but I'm not I'm not really much of a practicing Jew. Did and- you go to camp at least? Yes, I went to camp. It's very Jew. I'm I'm a stereotypical mm. Jew. I right. I am I am the exact kind of person who you would stereotype as Jewish in yes, every way I, possible. Uh, um, a friend of mine likes to call himself obviously Jewish. Yes, that's exactly what I am. I am obviously Jewish. There's there's no hiding me from anybody. Uh, but if somebody were constantly asking me in a media scrum what it meant for me to be Jewish, I would I would I would almost feel like I had to be disingenuous in that moment. Or I would come off as a jerk, you know? <laughs> and so I don't really know what to ask that hasn't already been asked. And there's, don't get me wrong, there's been some really good stuff written about it. Your own Weitzman, and I've been on your own's podcast before. He's a friend of mine and uh, wrote a Bleacher Report. And, and he's, he just does a great job. I really admire the work that he does. And, and he wrote, wrote a lot about Denny's history and I thought did a really great job. And, and just from my perspective, it just, Nothing meaningful has really hit me from that front yet. Um, If something really stood out, and you know, it's a little different this year because access is so different 
with the world being so different. You know, normally I'm in the locker room pregame. I'm in the locker room postgame. I have opportunities just to kind of have small talk with these guys, just have little chats here and there about the world and whatever, just to, hey, how you doing? What's new? How you liking living in D.C.? You, you watch the Super Bowl, just like any mm-hmm. sort of small talk chat, which... You know, most of the words that are exchanged between me and a player that I cover don't come in a scrum when the world is normal. And now all of them come in some sort of public Zoom setting. Uh, you know, I, I haven't met Denny in person, which is crazy to me. If you told me a year ago, the Wizards are going to have a first round pick, you're going to be a Wizards beat writer, and you're going to have not met him months and months after they drafted him. I'd be like, that's insanity i will see him every single day for like seven months straight what are you talking about uh so the fact that i haven't met him is just really it's just a weird situation and i feel like a lot of those questions a lot of those storylines they come from the small talk you get into the small talk and then they see something interesting and you're like oh you know what that w- that could be an interesting story. That could be an interesting thing to ask about in an on the record setting where I can quote you, you know, and and not having those settings, I, I feel like hurts those sorts of stories for sure. For sure. Well, I'd imagine you guys haven't really, you know, discussed the Israeli election in great detail. But do you? I wonder. Do you think it matters to him to be a Jewish representative? In your experience, he's said that it does. I mean, if he, he has said that it does, so I will take him at his word for it that it does. I mean, he 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 gets quite because we get um, we get a lot of Israeli media members, especially in on the Zooms now, talking to him, and and he's he was he hasn't been asked that question as much lately because I think he's just answered it a bunch of times. Yep. But uh, he has said that it it totally means something to him. I think he takes pride in in representing Israeli fans and knows how many Israeli fans that he has. And I think it's something that definitely, that definitely uh, means something to him. Cause I mean, just the, how many Israeli basketball players have there been? There's, there's to play in the NBA. There's Caspi. Yeah. Is, and is that the only I think one? That might be it. I remember, I mean, we're from Toronto. Our podcast is based out of Toronto. And when Anthony Parker played for the Raptors, he had come from Maccabi Tel Aviv. And he was sort of treated as an Israeli basketball player, yeah, even though sure. he was American. Right. But I mean, that's kind of what happened with Amari. Where absolutely. Amari never really converted. He just kind of embraced Judaism from a... Unless I'm wrong about this, and he actually did, and something I changed. I think he's converting now. Okay. Because for a long time, it was... He just kind of embraced the spirituality... Of Judaism, right? And he embraced the scriptures and the culture. But I think if you see him in street clothes now, he's like wearing to fill in a fur hat. Um, so whether or not he's actually gone through like the you know the mm-hmm. year of praying and whatnot, like he's definitely right. cosplaying real hard. Right. Well, and we that's good enough for me. Totally. Well, we we get really excited when there's a Jewish athlete because there aren't very exactly. many of them. There aren't get, very many. That's, so we're just I mean, like, that's yeah, the whole come point in. of our show. Uh, jo- Jordan Farmar is half Jewish. Yep, uh, but not Israeli. Actually, not Israeli. There, there was actually a rumor that went around for a while, and we had on the show uh, Eric Kareen from the the Toronto mm-hmm. Athletic to yeah, talk about good it. Friend, yeah, that uh, yeah, is wonderful guy. That uh, Fred Van Vliet was secretly Jewish. He's not, but people believe that for a while. Well, there was also uh, TJ TJ Leaf. I thought was Jewish for a while mm-hmm. because he was he was born in Southern California, and he was raised in Israel. 
Right. And grew up in Israel because his dad was a pro player in Israel. And I thought he was Jewish. I'm like, Southern California, Israel. Right. Is it that not fits. Jewish? Not Jewish. Yeah, well, do you know the Mike Jacobs story? The baseball player? The baseball player. We have a segment on our podcast where we talk about Mike Jacobs players. But uh, <laughs> he his shirt was once, his face was once given on Jewish heritage shirts in Miami where he played. And he's not Jewish. That's they just tremendous. thought he was. Yeah, it was tremendous. It's a, it's tremendous. a great piece of Jewish sports lore. That's great. Car- Carmelo Anthony once tried to convince me that Joe DiMaggio was was Jewish. Why? <laughs> How'd that happen? He he genuinely thought that Joe DiMaggio was Jewish. Uh, this is one of the stories where I'll save the full details for the book. Right. But he uh, he genuinely thought Joe DiMaggio was Jewish, and he and another player, Josh Eustace, spent about 15 minutes aggressively <laughs> trying to convince me that Joe DiMaggio <laughs> was Jewish. And I was like, bro, I'm a... Jew from New York, whose father is a diehard Yankee fan. If Joe DiMaggio were Jewish, my name would be Joe DiMaggio. Cats, and right, and uh, they they weren't backing down. Um, is it because he was on Seinfeld? <laughs> he wasn't on Seinfeld. He was only mentioned no, on his Seinfeld. Sil- as, his as, silhouette was on his Seinfeld. Silhouette was on Seinfeld because he dunks his donuts. Yeah, they watched him dunk, but the he donut. was not. He was he was uh, Steinbrennered on Seinfeld. Yes. Exactly. I wonder if he they asked and he wouldn't go. That's my assumption. As a as a Yankees fan, as a, a Jew, Jewish person, sports fan, who was your favorite Jewish athlete of all time? Everyone has one. I mean, I was always fascinated by Hank Greenberg. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the answer is probably Sandy Koufax, because my dad would always tell me about the Sandy Koufax curveball. And my grandfather was a big Brooklyn Dodgers fan. And my grandfather was really the one who got me into baseball. He took me to my first baseball game, and he was the one. He was from Brooklyn, and he took me to my first baseball game, which was a Mets game, not a Yankees game. At uh, Old Shea. Yes, at Old Shea. And uh, and I heard, all I heard about was the Sandy Koufax curveball, and I have seen many clips of the Sandy Koufax curveball, and it was a crazy curveball. <laughs> um, and I, I think the answer is just Sandy. The, Sandy Koufax says... It's not a greatness thing with Koufax. It's you know some great players just kind of have more legendary stories than other great players. Like mm-hmm. like Satchel Paige is the king of a great athlete with just so many legendary stories. Like he his greatness is in his legendary stories, you know, M- even more than in his performance. I feel like Koufax has so many legendary stories about him telling someone he was going to throw a curveball and and doing it anyway still and still striking them out or you know sandy koufax was tipping his pitches this one game and everybody knew he was tipping his pitches and then he threw a one hitter and just like <laughs> so many just the side the length of his fingers and like all of these crazy koufax stories so it's interesting because i mean at least to a jewish person and i think the same thing will probably be true of danny in a lot of cases and that you know he might win 10 championships, but he'll be the Israeli guy who won 10 championships and he'll be the Jewish guy who won 10, 10 championships. And in the Koufax context, he's the guy who won to play on Yom Kippur. Yeah. So to bring this back to, to Denny and the wizards for a, a minute, do you think as, you know, if someone is a Jewish athlete or an Israeli athlete like him or like Koufax, can he ever get past that? Not that it's something to get past, but you know, will that always define him in the NBA? That's a good question. Yeah, probably. Is there any this might just be because I'm Jewish, but is there 
Is there a Jewish athlete who, when you talk about them, one of the first things that you think of when you're listing off their descriptors, no matter how good or bad that player was in his or her respective sport, is there one Jewish athlete who you think of when you're listing off their descriptors that you don't mention that like Sue Bird is Jewish? Right. I, we talk about Sue Bird a lot on this show, but um, there's, I, I no. I, I think the answer is no. I, like, yeah. Maybe Kevin Euclid's because a lot of people don't know. Here's, maybe. here's the thing. You can't, you can't outdo it because the tone around saying that person is Jewish just changes depending on their accomplishments. So oh, yeah. with like Jordan Farmar, you'll be like, yeah, the point guard from UCLA played like 10 years in the league. Oh, did you know Jordan Farmar is half Jewish? And that's when you get to it in the Jordan Farmar conversation. And with Sandy Koufax, you're like, oh, greatest Jewish pitcher of all time, man. Greatest Jewish athlete of all time. Or, or Hank Greenberg, you're like, ah, oh, it's the best Jewish hitter ever. And it's just like the the gravitas <laughs> behind it becomes less of a shrug and more of a boast. And that's the difference. The The tone will change depending on your accomplishments. But it's like it is always that that's oh, always going to be one of the things. And they could totally suck, too. Like, you know, and maybe sucks the wrong word, but not have a very distinguished career at all. We've you said know, we've said Caspi's name on this podcast like six times. Totally. Hey, he's got a couple of rings, but you think about, I'm thinking of, you know, Jay Fiedler, who's a, you know, if you're a yeah. football fan. Dolphin's great. About, yeah. Dolphin's great. Jay Fiedler. Like he might've thrown two touchdowns in his career, but he's Jewish. Like we got a guy that's, he's yeah. almost there. Yep. That's to, to uh, I think that the key, at least for us as Jews is that for a lot of people, that is the most defining thing about them, regardless of how successful they are. Um, and I people talk true. about, people talk about, Denny as if he's going to break that mold. And sort of that's the reason, you know, he's the greatest Israeli player we've had so far. He's, he's, you know, your prototypical European point forward who he can pass, he can rebound, he can shoot, but he's still the Jewish guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's good. He's, he's going to be a nice player. He looks really comfortable and he, he handles well. He's, he's a good passer. I think he can do more stuff with the ball than we've really seen him do so far. Uh, you know, with Westbrook and, and Beal playing together, then he doesn't really have as many opportunities. He's coming off the bench now as of a couple of games ago. So I think he might have more opportunities to do that kind of stuff with bench lineups, but he's, he's been good. He's, he, he looks solid. So I think he'll have a, a nice long career. This is a niche call up, but that was quite the alley-oop pass he made to Westbrook last night. They yes, showed it, it about a million times, you know, on yes, TV this morning as I was watching highlights preparing for this interview, but it was, it was, uh, I mean, he's, he's got, highlight real potential and he i mean he's like we said he's he's gonna be a nice player yeah but no but he i think he's gonna be a nice defender too he'll have a good long career well that's i i would hope so and i think there are a lot of israeli fans uh that would hope so too especially you know wake up at four in the morning and watch some basketball one other thing i wanted to ask you just sort of about life now how much judaism is there in dc like, I, I know nothing about the D.C. Jewish scene. Is there, like, a bagel scene? Is there, like, a synagogue scene? You know, the scene? bagel scene is really disappointing. Uh-huh. You, you would think it would be good. The bagel scene and the Jewish deli scene is not great. And it's a really good food city. There's one place called Call Your Mother, which is pretty good bagels. But it's more of, like, an adventurous bagel sort of deal than it is... Um, 
Joe Biden went there recently. I was about to say, is that the Joe Biden place? I feel like uh-huh. I feel like all of the bagel and deli places are meant for people like Joe Biden. <laughs> like not actually meant for, you know, to watch your Zeta eat soup and spill it all over himself. Like exactly. It's, meant- it's it's not like a throwback traditional New York style place. Yeah. Like it's, it's good bagels. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're totally good bagels, but it's like more adventurous and kind of out there and, and different kind of funky stuff you'll put on bagels. And it's not like New York. Tell you that much. No. Well, if you're in Toronto in 18 months or whenever the country is open, we can get bagels and and we'll chat about uh, regional differences. I love Toronto. Oh, good. Great city. Great food city. Love Toronto. Great, great food city. Uh, but I don't need to take up any of your time. This was great. It was great chatting, uh, you know, about Denny and, and sort of about the NBA and, and Jewish athletes. It's always a good conversation with journalists, um, especially, you know, proudly culturally Jewish ones like yourself. Yes. Thanks for having me. It was, it was a great chat. Had a very nice time with Fred. Uh, it's good to talk to him and uh, uh, hear sort of about him and about uh, how Washington's taken to Denny. Yeah. And thanks so much to Fred Katz for joining us. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Fred Katz, all one word, and you can read his writing at The Athletic. Uh, you, you do have to pay for a subscription. That's their that's their business model. But uh, you don't have to pay for us, which is nice. And um, my, my producer has just, just informed me that, unfortunately, I, I used a, a bit of a, a slur, what we're told is a slur, uh, that I referred to the boomers on the CJN Lounge. And, and I just want to apologize. I, I, I only mean, you know, my parents are boomers. Some of my best friends are boomers. Uh, I don't mean any harm by it. Please keep commenting on our on our Facebook page, the, the I, CJN's I, Facebook page, the CJN Lounge. We love reading your comment and your feedback on on all the sports stories, or or whether you think Seth Rogen and John Kay are newsworthy or not. It's it's great. I uh, I find personally, I know I've known Jamie a long time, and I've I've he's the least ageist person you've ever met in your life. This isn't who I am, you know. This Let's is just, not who he is. It's not who I am. Uh, so and, and it, it never should have happened, and it won't happen again. Yeah. Uh, you know, so in, until next time, uh, please hit us up on Twitter at Menschwarmers. Uh, you can follow the CJN Podcast Network on Facebook. You can follow the CJN Lounge on Facebook. You can, If you're listening to us on a podcast service, then you're already doing it right. If you're listening to us on the website, you can subscribe to us on whatever podcast service you are. And please Whether review us. Uh, write some good reviews. A lot of stars. We could use that. That helps. As always, today's episode is produced by Michael Freeman. Um, who, as we're seeing here, the executive producer of the CJN Podcast Network, is looking quite bearded. And we'll be back in two weeks with more news about Jews and sports. Sports.